This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. A frustrating afternoon for Liverpool, which summarises a frustrating start to the season as Jurgen Klopp's men are held to a goalless draw at Goodison Park in the Merseyside derby. Welcome along everyone to the post-game podcast with me, Patrick Smith, as we bring you the reaction and major talking points from today's 0-0 draw between Everton and Liverpool. The Reds knocked on the door so many times, but found Pickford and the woodwork denying their efforts, whilst Alison Becker pulled off a couple of huge saves to deny the spirited hosts. Up first, we have Paul Gorst with his verdict from Goodison, then Jurgen Klopp's press conference, and of course, the reaction from the travelling Reds. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. The 241st Merseyside Derby finished on a even at Goodison Park here this afternoon after a goalless draw between Everton and Liverpool. Um, Everton will probably have Jordan Pickford to thank for uh, coming away from Goodison Park today with a point. He made uh, a string of superb saves, particularly in the second half, mostly from Subjusco Firmino. But a last gasp uh, tip onto the post from Mohamed Salah was probably the pick of the bunch. And uh, the Everton goalkeeper was delighted with his performance at full time, understandably so, in all fairness to the England international. Uh, other than that, there wasn't too much to write home about. Um, Jan Klopp made uh, quite a few surprising changes to his starting 11. Fabio Carvalho started in midfield alongside Harvey Elliott and Fabinho. Costa Simakas came in for Andy Robertson at left back and uh, an informed Firmino was left out for Darwin Nunes who came back in following uh, his uh, suspension against Crystal Palace. Um, not too many chances in the first half. Pickford made a superb save from uh, Nunes with an arching volley um, down to my left here and uh, Luis Diaz followed it up in the same sequence of play by hitting the inside of the post. Uh, Evan had a couple of chances themselves, Neil Moore pay honours. Everton debut in the first half, uh, just kind of um, rolling one wide when a better connection might have snuck into the bottom corner uh, in the second half. Uh, Klopp brought on Firmino for uh, Fabio Carvalho, who uh, picked up a dead leg in a challenge with Amadou Arnana, and um, Liverpool were instantly improved, started to create better quality chances, and uh, Firmino had a handful himself, uh, four in total. Fabinho had another chance himself, and um, Everton could have won at the, down the other end, in fairness. Neil Morpay was denied by a Superb save from Allison before Connor Cody stuck one in from two yards out and after the lengthiest and most nerve-shredding of VAR interventions it was in fact ruled out as offside. So both teams come away with the draw, that's probably to be expected to Goodison Park, that's now nine in the last 11 but uh, probably not a disaster of a result for Liverpool um, on its own merits but I would just kind of add to that uh, disappointing start of the season, it's been a uh, a disappointing month to uh, Liverpool's Premier League season, if we're being totally honest. They obviously hammered Bournemouth out of sight last week and uh, beat Newcastle on Wednesday night, but Liverpool's still struggling to get going. Today would have give, uh, give them a great chance for, uh, for lift-off, but uh, it wasn't to be. It's finished here at Goodison Park. Everton nil, Liverpool nil. The post-game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Rule number one. If you cannot win the derby, don't lose it. Um, I think we could have won it today, but we could have lost in a few moments as well. If you count the amount of chances we had and the amount of chances they had, then we would have probably deserved, would have been a deserved winner. And I think that we have the last chance, which was a massive one, we could have won there, absolutely. But they had... Uh, Ali had to make two incredible saves and just called a goal, which was disallowed for a small offside, but obviously offside. Um, so, intense like always, 
um, and we were ready to fight after a super intense game on Wednesday. Um, we, we tried to fight and especially then of course um, second half um, it was it looked like an end-to-end -end game because after our set pieces they we didn't defend the second balls that particularly well. We had good set pieces but when the set pieces we didn't finish it off or we got another one then we were slightly too open. That they used that in these moments pretty well. Apart from that they didn't cause us a lot of problems or whatever. Um, but yeah, we had to dig in deep. Obviously, that's what we did. Uh, that's it. Bad, not I think, not bad. I think um, extremely painful. It's a dead leg on the muscle above the knee, and he couldn't bend the knee anymore. So because when this muscle swells up, and then there's no space for anything else and um, we have now to see how, how quickly that will settle but it's um, we could see he tried <laughs> but we could see he couldn't run probably we just waited for half time and made then the change with Bobby Any more? Yeah. Sorry, sorry Again no, it's not more than other seasons or whatever. I'm not sure if you what you see there. It's um, we don't want to have we want to have more than this position, but we want to have more in in we always had him more often in central positions as well. Um, today, especially, we wanted to use the boys a bit more centrally, um, but. Didn't have a lot of time to train. Obviously, actually, we only recovered. Um, spoke a lot about it. I'm not sure I was clear enough um, in the first half what we what they exactly wanted. Um, in the moments when we played, if when Mo dropped or or Lucho dropped um, after two three passes, they were completely free in between the lines because Darwin kept the last line back, which is pure presence, and they liked to drop pretty early. But we didn't do that often enough. We uh, right. So I don't think in this season he's too often wide. Maybe today in a few moments, yes. But in general, um, he could have scored again. The, the, what, in the last minute, pretty much that was him, I think. And um, so, yeah, that's it. James. Yeah, just like maybe you took Trent off today. Is that purely tactical, or is it you looking for just a manager's game time at the moment? What's the thinking behind that? Yeah, we have to. So where can we change in a moment? So with the players coming in, coming back. So Arthur is now there here. It's really good and very important for us. But he didn't play football for a long, long time and played yesterday a rondo with us. So we thought actually until last night that he will not be um, available. But now he was in the squad, but it was not a plan to bring him. So who do we have them on the bench? So yes, Meli can play in midfield and on and, and both fullback positions. And we just thought, again, like in the last game, it makes sense to bring the fresh legs there. Um, and that's why we decided like this. Trent is playing all the time. Rob is playing all the time. And if you then from time to time, and that's in a moment, there we have alternatives. That's why we have to use them to bring fresh energy on the pitch. Pretty much it has nothing to do with performances. Even when I know that Trent can play better than today, definitely. Um, but there's nothing to do with that. It's just we have to get through this period how it is, um, because yes, players are coming back, but they have to be reintegrated. 
um, and you cannot just bring them in and play them 90 minutes or whatever, that's not possible and that's why uh, we have, need to have a look where can we do some, um, where can we do the changes and give the game new or more dynamic again. Tom? No, I didn't see it. I thought it was a, it was a glass bottle, but it was not. I, th I saw it now because it's still at the crime scene. <laughs> no, no, it was a plastic bottle. In a moment, I, it looked like like a, a glass bottle. That would have been really dangerous, but it was not as a plastic bottle. So, um, no. Dave, last one. Darwin Nunes on another day, I mean, he, he maybe eight chances in the I just wonder, is that, um, is that an issue? No. It's a, it's a, what is that, the start-stop integration now. So that's how it is. We play all the time, that means we cannot train constantly. He was suspended in a, in a week where we had two, three, normal-ish sessions, the rest was individual when he had to do a little bit more and stuff like this. In the sessions when we had them, he looked really good, but he still has to be integrated. That's completely normal. So the way we play, it's now not that we create the guy, the balls. When, yeah, we had a chance. There was, I think, one where we passed the ball back and it was open goal. I'm not a big philosopher there, but it, I know that he will score in these moments in the, in, in the future. That's clear. Um, but it was super intense for him today, super. We had to make the decision. Bobby was injured before, so now played two games or three games, really, really, really good. Um, and Wednesday, Saturday, traditionally um, difficult, difficult um, uh, fixtures. And so that's why we decided we let, we let Darwin start, and he came through 80 minutes, and he, I mean, he can score. No, it's not a concern or whatever. It's just a situation, and it's all fine uh, for the moment. And that, in that perspective, we just have to, to, to and. If we would have played our absolute best football game ever on on Wednesday night, and maybe we did that at once, once or twice before a derby, we still arrived here and was this kind of game. Um, and so nobody should be now too surprised. Last year it looked slightly different because we scored in the right moments. We didn't do that today. That's why they could stay in the game, and they are a different team to last year as well. So they have the, the idea they have um, is obviously not a bad one. They defend pretty. Pretty well, and then the counterattacks are a real threat, um, and that's it. So um, I, there are not a lot of derbies that will be in my the book of games, which I will watch back again so in the future. So um, one or two maybe, but all the others not, just because it's never really outstanding football. It's a big fight, what everybody expects from both teams. We fought, didn't play always extremely well, but created enough top chances. Didn't use them, and you cannot score. But how I said, if you can't win the derby, don't lose it. Thank you. See you. The post game podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Really poor performance for me for Liverpool in the Merseyside derby and follows on from the previous two away games at Fulham and Manchester United in that Liverpool had very little control at stages in games and all three games could have got away from the certain stages. Now, within the games, Liverpool could have still won all the three games as well and that's because Liverpool have individuals who, are, who have moments of quality. 
to take the game away from the opposition. But Liverpool have always, throughout the the Klopp era, especially over the dominance eras, the last three to four, have always been superior to their inferior opponents, if you like. So it was notable that every time Liverpool played an inferior side, they were able to dominate the ball, able to minimise the amount of counter-attacks or situations that the opposition was able to to get in and cause Liverpool problems. And that isn't happening for me at this moment in time. And if Everton would have won that game with a spell in the second half, I don't think you could have complained because Liverpool totally lost control within that section. So there's obvious problems at this moment in time in midfield. Obviously, Henderson is not playing well, but is injured. And so Liverpool played Fabio Carvalho and Harvey Elliott in the midfield. Liverpool didn't particularly play well in the first half, but then didn't particularly play well in the second half when Carvalho had to go off through injury. So we know that it wouldn't be Klopp's preferred choices, such as the level of inexperience of them two players, but not just the level of inexperience, the level of inexperience of them actually playing the positions. We know that they're both essentially have come up through the youth career as higher players playing on the higher lines of the pitch. And then all of a sudden, you're potentially asking them to drop into deeper areas and try and build a game and and just have a different skill set, which, which listen, Elliot's done fantastically so far, and I've no doubt that Carvalho could adapt to that role as well. But of course, at this moment in time, it wouldn't be a preferred choice because of that level of experience in the positions, and obviously in the Premier League as well. But that is not the only area of the team for me, which is dysfunctioning badly. I mean, some of the, the pass selections, the choice selections when Liverpool were on the ball... Everton, Liverpool were in good control of the ball in, in various sections of the pitch. And then the weight of the pass, the, the force of the pass that, that Liverpool were doing. So Liverpool had good possession, building the game up, trying to advance into decent areas. Stay patient, work the ball into good areas. Make Everton's legs work. You know, wear them down mentally and physically. Liverpool were always going to have more of the ball. But too often, uh, passage of play in terms of possession would end with a needless chip ball or an uncomfortable ball for a player to control, either in a wide position or at the top end of the pitch. And it was just trying to force the game far too much and it was really, really poor, I felt. Liverpool did gain some control at the start of the second half and that was a period where they could have taken the game away from Everton. But then another worrying part for me was then Klopp decides to make two changes in bringing Andy Robertson and James Milner on for the two fullbacks, Costa Simakas and, and Alexander Arnold. I actually felt Costa Simakas was getting into some really good areas in the game, so I didn't understand that considering how poorly Robertson had played. And with Alexander Arnold, listen, he, he isn't in a good spell of form, but to be bringing Trent Alexander Arnold off, your most creative player, the player who, even if you know some of his attempts to progress the ball are unsuccessful, you always know he is the one player from different areas who can play round, through, or over you and give, get Liverpool into really advanced positions and carve out really positive opportunities in any game. And I never like to see him brought off the field of play. Never mind if you haven't got an option which is capable of playing that role. And, and James Milner's cameo, I mean... And the reason I'm bringing up these substitute, substitutions is because I think there's been various times this season where Klopp, normally such a great in-game strategist, has actually made really poor choices, which has then hindered Liverpool's progress within the game. And I felt it happened again here. Liverpool having control of the game. And then all of a sudden, that control was minimised by, well, first of all, taking off one of the players who was actually progressing the progressing the ball and getting into good areas in Simakas. But also bringing on Milner, who was then, 
I mean, his performance was was crazy, really. I mean, for an experienced player, he dived in at a counter-attack, which resulted in Mopai should have put Everton 1-0 ahead. Magnificent from Alisson, as he always is. And I think I should mention that because what a goalkeeper, and I don't mention that enough, but we'll talk about that another day. So he dives in. Another corner where his protection is not good enough in terms of being able to get to the ball early enough and Everton countered again and could have ended up in a, in a pedalist position. And then a fade from a corner kick in which he gets caught under the ball and the goal gets disallowed from Cody. He was miles out of his depth, I'm afraid, and, and Everton targeted him. And that wasn't the only problem with Liverpool, but it was a really poor in-game change. And it is getting to the stage now where I know Liverpool are depleted with bodies and legs, but it is a, a painful watch for James Milner at this moment in time when he's he's entered in the field of play. And there's no doubt he's making Liverpool's team weaker. The one thing you would want him to bring is experience, but actually his decision-making is actually costing Liverpool, such as the rashness of it in certain areas off the ball and then with the ball the continual transferring of the ball to the opposition which then leaves Liverpool facing other counter-attacks oh really I mean I could go on all day I mean some of the some of the the distances in midfield in that second half and listen I know they went to to a two and obviously a two-man midfield and obviously stuck Firmino in behind Nunes and you do not want Elliot at this stage in his career as a two so that was even more uncomfortable but some of the distances, I mean, Fabinho, a super player for Liverpool, no doubt. And when the distances are small and the team is organised, magnificent at Hoover and everything up, he looks like he's running in treacle at this moment in time because of Liverpool's distances, especially away from home, covering, having to cover too much ground. And again, you know, a lot of positions that Everton got in where the opposition, if they have better players, would have no doubt punished Liverpool. And this is the problem for me, that, that Liverpool have always had an identity, always had a philosophy, and you'd always knew it was Liverpool on the field of play, even if they changed the, the, the jersey they were wearing. There was unique traits about how Liverpool played and dominated football matches. This isn't Liverpool at the moment. There's a, there's a disconnect between how Liverpool are able to transfer the ball in midfield, but also in the highest, highest line of the pitch, where the attacking trio almost look like they're playing as individuals rather than a collective and listen you know there's been a lot of change in that area and I suppose that will come in time and it's not helping the situation but some of Liverpool's better players at this moment in time are just not playing well enough choice selection technical execution you name it it's it, it, it's really poor and the only thing you can say is as Liverpool very often do because they have such quality players they maintain their level of being able to be there or there about to result and still came away with the point. And that's, for me, is the only positive you can take out of today. Albeit, as silly as that sounds, they could have still won the game, but for a fantastic goalkeeping performance, which probably says more about the level of Everton rather than it does the performance of Liverpool, which was, was really, really poor. Uh, finally, I just wanted to touch on the sign of Artur. A player I've watched a lot. I'm a massive Messi fan, so I watch every game that he's played for obviously his career and obviously that coincided with Artur being a, a Barcelona and I think this is a really shrewd signing for Liverpool and again it adds to all the deficiencies that sorry it negates a lot of the deficiencies that I've talked about in terms of control technical excellence in that midfield um, being a balanced player able to cover counter attacks all of them things Arthur is a, a super super player in terms of technique on the ball a player who can drop into deeper areas secure the ball under pressure from different different angles, different sides, whether that be in the deepest position or more likely in one of the two controlling or one of the two controlling positions, either side of that deepest player, normally on the left hand side for Barcelona, and a good fit, obviously knowing Thiago's injury record and the no, the the way you know that he's not going to be available for every game. Now, no one is Thiago. No one has that level of 
um, pass completion, press resistance, but also the ability to progress the ball so efficiently in between lines, break lines. He is a unique world-class player and probably unique in what he does as a skill set because obviously what we also know is how magnificent he is as a balanced player defensively, how switched on, how intelligent to cover gaps that Liverpool face in midfield. But whilst Arta is of course not at that level, who is of Thiago, he is as good as you will find on the market. I know he's had his difficulties, I know he's had injury problems, hasn't always played, and I know he's, from some, you know, through the, through the years, maybe his application hasn't been what it should be, but for Liverpool to get a player at that age, elite technically, an ability to play in both the deepest position and fill in magnificently for, for Thiago and stylistically, I think it was an absolutely shrewd signing by Liverpool. And if he can get him on the field to play, get him up to speed with the, the Premier League, which I have no doubt he will because he's such an outstanding technician, then Liverpool have got a really shrewd piece of business there. And I would not be surprised, such as the quality of this player, if he was to acclimatise and Liverpool were to make the deal um, permanent. I have no doubt about that. I mean, a lot of people are saying he'd be a squad player. I, I can't wait for a lot of people to see him play in terms of his awareness, press resistance and technique. So that will no doubt improve Liverpool and I suppose that's the positives come out of the week that Arto is in now in the squad and it's obviously just about integrating into Liverpool's system which has been heavily obviously depleted of natural midfield players in that section of the pitch. And whilst Arto won't be able to contribute in the final phase or play as progressively as Thiago, he will be able to progress the ball through carries and also in terms of a press resistance, uh, ball uh, pass completion, the, there won't be many better in, in Wales football. So you are getting a massive upgrade in Liverpool's midfield. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's nil-nil draw at Goodison Park against Everton. Jordan Pickford, man of the match, hate to say it, doesn't really sit well, but can't be denied. A little bit like the Champions League final, wasn't it, where we had a good number of good chances and um, something just a little bit short perhaps of miraculous goalkeeping preventing us from from getting any kind of a result um really some some outstanding saves from him and, and one or two excellent saves also it should be said from from Alison Becker our midfield looked light didn't it and that's no surprise we know there are big injury issues there having said that you could you know you could flip the coin and sort of look at it the other way Javi Elliott on the right, Fabio Carvalho on the left with the solidity of Fabinho behind them in many ways looks exciting. Uh, Javi's played very well this season and I think had a, a pretty good game today. Carvalho has has already shown us what he can contribute even from a goal-scoring perspective and it was a shame to see him withdrawn so early with a Pretty painful looking dead leg, I must say. Wouldn't surprise me if he's maybe not available for Champions League encounter because that, that could be even bruising on the bone. That that looked like a big, heavy challenge. Uh, I, I suppose it could have picked James Milner instead of Carvalho, perhaps, because we did look a little light on experience there, you know. Um, you would say it's not, not our first choice left back. No Henderson there, um, you know. Maybe maybe James Milner wouldn't have been a, an odd-looking selection. Whereas the midfield lineup that we had, as I say, has its plus points, but did look it was a bit of an eye opener, wasn't it? Perhaps even more of an eye opener was the fact that Curtis Jones 
wasn't even on the bench. I don't know if there was some sort of a niggle there that prevented that, but that was a surprise to me. The biggest surprise of the day, I think, was, uh, and there could be an easy explanation for it, but I haven't heard it yet, James Milner coming on for Trent at right back. Not the first time that Trent's been withdrawn this season. But why would you do that at that time? I think Trent Alexander-Arnold actually had a reasonably good game. Certainly a couple of excellent crosses. Um, One of which picked out Darwin Nunez and was was a super cross. And he, he looked as if he might well be able to be the man to put the ball into the danger zone, enabling us to get something out of this game. So I was perplexed when Trent was taken taken off and, and Milner came on. I'd like to hear Jürgen's thinking on that. I'm sure in due course we will. It may even have preceded this part of the podcast when we hear Jürgen's post-match press conference. Very keen to hear what happened. Last time Darwin Nunez played, I sort of had a bit of a, a Darwin watch and listed out his contributions and they, you know, it wasn't encouraging and, and culminated with him being sent off. Today, bit of a mixed bag, which is, I suppose, an improvement. I think generally he looked much less tense and um, shrugged off the attention of those marking him and any refereeing decisions that he disagreed with, with good humour for the most part, although he was a little bit petulant sitting on his backside when arguing with the referee about um, a, some some contact that he'd taken to the shin area in a 50-50 challenge. But his list of contributions, as I've got them, a, a very poor header from an excellent Trent Alexander-Arnold cross, which was disappointing. A much better header... Um, from uh, from from Mo's ball, but that was off target. Uh, but a good good got a good firm forehead to that, and then a great touch and shot that Pickford tipped over the bar. I mean that was, you know, that was really encouraging. It was it was an outstanding piece of play and very unlucky not to have scored what would have been a a spectacular goal. Then really badly miscued. Uh, a Diaz pullback, you know, which was disappointing. And then sort of, so, you know, that's two positive, encouraging contributions and two poor contributions. There was also a, a firmly struck volley that was straight to Pickford. Um, you know, not too much to say about that. But I, I'm, I've still yet to see what I would say is a sparkling Darwin Nunez performance and a, I eagerly await it. My daughter was asking me at the end, or towards the end of the game, you know, what are we missing? What are we missing? Of course, it's not it's not easy to put your finger on, is it? Um, we missed Mane, I think, today. <laughs> I think we probably missed Genie as well. What I would give to have Genie in that midfield today. Um, but they're long gone, particularly Genie. I mean, you know, there's no use crying over long-spilt milk. I also wonder if, and there are, you know, people who are already making this comment if we're starting to see or if we have already seen the very best of Virgil van Dijk is he is this the year where he starts to um, fade slightly from his peak Um, and the same could possibly be said for Andy Robertson and and he's been withdrawn a lot today he started on the bench which was a surprise 
for me. Um, I think the Simicast was withdrawn and that Robbo came on. You know, I think what we're seeing here is the beginning of a season where Simicast gets a lot more football. I'm not prepared to say it's going to be more than 50% of the games, but with the five substitutes now, I think we're going to see Simicast on the pitch a lot. And it could be that he gets, you know, perhaps a third of the total playing time during the course of the season. Will that be disruptive to our flow and to our rhythm? Perhaps so. Um, you could also argue that we're missing Jude Bellingham, I suppose. <laughs> Watched him for Dortmund uh, the other day, a rerun of uh, their most recent game. And yeah, we could do with some of that, couldn't we? Champions League next, which will be uh, a nice change from the stuttering start that we've made to the Premier League. Let's hope we can put a different face on that competition. At Galasahi on Twitter, G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I. Hello, Alex Watt. And yeah, another disappointing Merseyside derby result for us at Goodison, to say the least. Um, I swear Jordan Pickford saves his best England form 90% of the time for when he plays against us. It's so irritating. Uh, and we didn't even have Dirok Origi to come on this time to absolutely terrify him, which was annoying. Um, but yeah, another irritating watch, really, from our point of view. Main positives are, you know, we didn't lose the game. Obviously, that was a concern. It looked like we we might be in trouble after Cody had the ball in the net. Um, Connor Cody potentially getting a goal was always going to be a big narrative today but it was funny that it ended up getting disallowed that's one of those moments that's almost even better than a goal because Cody and the Ev supporters went so crazy with the celebrations they were giving it the big one so it was delicious that it got disallowed to be fair and probably gave Liverpool the wake-up call of motivation they needed at that point in the second half because that came at the end of a bit of a rough period for us but I would have rather had that moment and a winner for Liverpool, but I guess you can't have it all. And at least we didn't have to put up with Richarlison in the derby this time around. That was a positive, although as an annoying Everton player to watch, Anthony Gordon is right up there, I have to say. Um, but yeah, again, we dominated large portions of the game, just couldn't make it count. Um, bit of a running theme that at the moment. Um, I thought that Salah, you know, at the end that was going to be the moment, but obviously hit the post. Kind of sums up his his run of luck at the moment. Unfortunately, they're just not falling for him in the right way in the last few games. So, I mean, he must be due a hat trick in the next couple of matches at this rate, surely. Um. And Klopp went very bold and attacking with the starting lineup, which I was actually very happy about. You know, it was surprising, but in a good way, I thought. Um, I think we kind of all expected Simicast to come in for Robbo after some of the chat this week, but Klopp had both Elliot and Carvalho in the midfield alongside Fab, which was great to see him be bold in that way after Carvalho's late winner against Newcastle. Um, and every time Carvalho's come on, really, he's been a real bright spark. So the shame was that he had to go off at half time after that clash of knees with Onana. But hopefully just a precaution and he's back and OK for the next few games. Um, Nunez straight back in too, which was a bold choice given Bobby has been on such a good run of form these last couple of games. 
Klopp said pre-match actually it wasn't that difficult a decision. He wanted the fresher striker, which does make sense for a game like this. And I mean, he knew Nunez would be fired up for this one. I was just hoping he wouldn't be too fired up like he was in the last game he played. Unfortunately, we were okay on that front. So he seems to have learned from that one. Um, and then Firmino did end up coming on for the second half for Cavalio, which was, again, an exciting move from Klopp. I was slightly concerned about just how attacking that actually looked and whether it'd leave us exposed in midfield and defence, you know, if we'd lack the protection for Van Dijk and Gomez. But initially it actually seemed fine. It was only after Klopp brought off Trent that we started to look dodgy in that area, I felt like. Um, It felt like Klopp wanted to have Milner in there to add some solidity to kind of offset that having four key attackers on up top. But... Yeah, Milner at right back just didn't work. And I I really don't like to be that guy who calls out our players. But Milner was pretty dire when he came on, unfortunately. Every problem we seemed to have in the last half hour seemed to come from a Milner mistake. Or Everton were really targeting him down that right side. Um, And it was a real shame and a a bit of a worry. Because again, we do still struggle at right back if Trent isn't there. We just don't seem to have a good backup when, you know, when you look at the left-hand side where we've got Simicast Robbo, it's really strong. We don't really have that on the right. Um, Joe Gomez, though, I thought was great today at centre-back. I think he's really grown back into this side again after being out for so long. I think there was a bit of concern that he wouldn't get back to close to the level he was at before those injuries and because of the lack of games he was getting because of Matip and Kanate. So I'm happy to see those performances from him again. Uh, Matip obviously back in, Jota coming on as well, both of them coming on late. It's definitely nice to feel like some semblance of the squad is coming back again after all these injuries we've, we've had to deal with. But outside of that... It's another disappointment, really, in terms of lacking the cutting edge yet again in front of goal, which, as I say, is a bit of a theme this season, which seems a crazy thing to say when we won 9-0 only a couple of weeks ago. But that definitely feels like the anomaly this season so far. We've struggled so much in front of goal outside of that Bournemouth game. And it's something that needs to be put right quickly. You know, Napoli is in the Champions League midweek next which is always a bit of a bogey fixture for us in Europe then we've got the likes of Wolves Chelsea coming up in the league so we definitely need Salah Nunes to start firing and on all cylinders really um players like Joe to returning is obviously a big positive on that front to give us more options but yeah hopefully we can rediscover that form in front of goal midweek and then go on a tear for the next few games you know fingers crossed cheers up the reds you've been listening to the post game podcast on the blood red channel